Welcome to Surgical Society's Day in the Life podcast. I am Poppy. I'm Amisha. And we're going to take you through a day in the life of numerous healthcare workers. We hope to give you an idea of what a career in healthcare is like from a range of perspectives. And we'll give you tips on applying to medicine, discuss important topics and hopefully inspire you to pursue a career in medicine. It's a pleasure to have you speak to us today. Could you please offer a bit of insight into what a day in your life looks like? Hi, Anna. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, So, yeah, a day in the life of myself at the moment. So I'm currently a core trainee um, on general surgery on the ENT run-through program. And what that usually entails in the mornings is that we'll have a ward round uh, where we'll see the patients who are under our team, uh, under our consultant. And then hopefully after that ward round, if it's not too busy, we get to go to the theatre where we get to pick up on our actual surgical skills. Now, either we can attend the elective lists, which are the patients who have waited a few months to have their surgery, so they're not like in any acute or emergency situation. Um, Or we can attend what we call the CPOD list, um, which is essentially the emergency list. So that can vary from day to day, just depends on literally what emergency comes through the door at the time. Um, And if there's any other time left, hopefully we get involved with some academia, we get involved with teaching, uh, things like publications, sharing interesting stories and things like this as well, trying to help the next generation of um, doctors come through. That sounds great. So what's your like favourite thing? Like what's the most inspirational thing? What's the thing that kind of excites you the most about your job? I think at the moment, it's actually learning surgery itself, because when you start medical school and you go through the first two years of training, you don't get a lot of experience in actual theatre itself where you get to pick up um, certain skills, even the basic things like suturing and just holding different, you know, organs and tissues and things like that. So I think that's really, you know, the part that we want to get stuck into at the moment and me especially. So how did you decide that um, surgery was for you? out of everything that you could have done through medicine yeah I mean the first thing is was just you know becoming a doctor I mean after that the choice was of about three things I was actually thinking of so one was surgery for sure the other was radiology um, and the other actually was to be a GP as well I didn't really want to do hospital medicine but that's just personal choices but surgery really stuck out for me just because of the way you could help someone in such a short amount of time. I mean, like take the emergency list, for example, someone would come in um, would have something that's potentially going to kill them unless you do something. And in the space of a few hours, you change their track. So they're coming in on the verge of, you know, if this carries on for a few more hours or days, they could die to them leaving within a few hours from what you've done with your own hands obviously with the help of the rest of the team there. Um, and they go on to hopefully live a you know, long life after that. That really does sound amazing. Surgery can be quite, uh, like it has a reputation of having a lot of bullying, like a big hierarchy. Have you experienced that? Um, and how do you deal with that? I mean, working in the hospital, I think that with any job that well with any job that you do to be honest speaking to friends as well but in medicine especially there is you'll always find people who have tricky personalities I think is the best way to put it 
whereas they ex sometimes they'll expect a lot from you and they won't really give you a lot of um, kind of, uh, they won't cut you a lot of slack. I think that's probably the better phrase for it. Um, and in surgery, yeah, for sure, it has a reputation for it being like that. Now, whether, you know, what the reasons are for that, you know, it's difficult to say, is it because a lot of the time, if you make a mistake, it's, you know, the difference between life or death. So people develop that kind of mentality that you can't make any mistakes because if you do, you know, the patient's um, health can change dramatically. Whereas in other fields, if you make a mistake, um, things don't change as quickly as they would in surgery. So I think that's why in surgery, they tend to be a little bit more short fused, um, but that is changing. Um, there's a lot of work going on that I know of that, you know, where surgeons are focusing more on this aspect. Um, so I think there are definite improvements. That's, that sounds good, especially for people thinking of going into surgery in the future. It's nice to know that they've actually thought about that and things are changing. Um, so in terms of your training pathway, so um, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so the first thing is to get into medical school. So you need to get good GCSEs, good A-levels, get into any medical school, really. Um, and then you apply for your foundation training. So after five or six years of medical school, you have two years of foundation training within the hospital. Um, and after that is then you can apply to what you want to do. Now, most people nowadays are actually taking a year out um, to find kind of what they're really interested in. Um, but after that, once you do for surgery, it's another eight years. So it's a very long kind of pathway. I think it's one of the longest within the field, whereas GP is three years, radiology is five years. But other things in medicine also can take up to eight years as well. So that's the whole pathway. So I'm sitting at the moment, I've done the first two years and I'm on my third year now. So, um, so just... So you did F1, F2, and then did you do, so you didn't do CST, you went straight into ST? Yeah, so there's two different pathways you can take. Um, essentially, you can either go for core training, which uh, tends to be more general, although you can get themed jobs if you're interested in something in particular. And that's two years after your foundation, two years. And then you apply for ST3 training, which is specialty year three training. Um or you can go for a run-through program in which you kind of know what you want to do and then you go from ST1 to ST8 with no real change there. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the different pathways and I went for the run-through one. Okay, that sounds good. So you've got job security for a long time now um, in your... Yes and no. So you still have to, you know, pass your exams. I've still got exams coming up that I need to pass. I still have to sit the interview, which is a bit different to other run-through programs. Um, but it's just so I can hit kind of a minimum kind of level of... Um, so I don't do nothing in these few years, essentially. That's how I kind of look at these interviews. That it'll, It just keeps me motivated to not fall behind everyone else. Yeah. So going back to... Uh, what might feel like a long time ago for you but when you were making that decision to study medicine obviously you have to be like incredibly talented and you have to be very well-rounded and everything so you could do anything so what made you decide to do medicine rather than anything else and how do you feel about having made that decision so long ago and how it's affected your life now 
Okay, so I think for myself, it was more of the exposure that I had growing up. So my father, he was actually a surgeon as well. So he had quite a big impact on me because I would speak to him about, you know, what he was doing at work. And I was really quite interested in what he was doing. Um, I also did work experience after that to get a better feel of, you know, the different jobs that have been out there. And I wasn't really a fan of just sitting at sitting at a desk or looking at spreadsheets and numbers and things like that. Although those type of jobs probably pay better, but I wanted something that was more hands-on, a lot more sociable. And that's something that's really left out with these hospital careers is that a lot of your time is actually spent dealing with other people, not just patients, but other members of your team. Um, and that aspect, I think, is quite unique to, to medicine in general, um, is the reliance that you'll have on other people in very stressful kind of circumstances. Um, and that, that kind of pulled me. You're a medical student. Um, kind of struggling with the decision whether to pursue a career in medicine what would you say to yourself see what type of a person you are and what you want out of life itself because medicine if I could talk to myself back then I'd explain to myself a little bit more on how uh, it's more of a vocation and what that actually means rather than just a job so I'll see my friends will have nine to five jobs they'll be making more money Job satisfaction, I think, that you get in medicine is it's very unique. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what would you say to people worried about, like, the six years? Like, they, for, 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 like, a six, 17, 18-year-old who's going into it, six years seems like a long time. Like, they feel like they're going to be so old when they come out, and is it worth it? And what would you say? If I could go back, I would. It'd be great. <laughs> I love university. Those are the, probably the best years. Everyone says that. If you ask anyone who's, well, most people who've been to university, university is like the best years of your life. Um, it's great. You'll meet lifelong friends. You'll have a great time and you'll meet people who want to do what you want to do. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would encourage people to do it for that reason. That is six years. And you get to spend six years in university and live that life. Maybe not so much now for this next year because of COVID and it looks kind of horrible, but back in the day, it was, it was great. Yeah. Um, so what about your experiences with the NHS? Um, how do you, like, do you experience, like, especially in your F1, F2 years, did you experience um, any things you didn't like about the NHS and did anything put you off being a doctor? Were there any moments where you thought to yourself, is this really worth it? And how did you overcome those? Uh, I think working in the NHS is actually one of the reasons why I wanted to become a doctor. I mean, we're one of the few countries in the world that provides such a good health service for free, essentially, um, that anyone who walks through the door will get um, treatment for their medical problems, regardless of their social class, regardless of their ethnicity, that everyone is treated within the NHS the same. And I think that's a really nice thing to have. Um, looking just across, you know, the ocean to how it is in the United States and how they're fighting for medical care, especially for the poorer people. It's just, you know, it's, it's sad, to be honest. Um, so I think that's one of the benefits of the NHS. But obviously, you know, you always have your issues with your workplace, um, but nothing really specific comes to mind at the moment. Maybe the computers, always slow, always slow. <laughs> That's <laughs> interesting that, that you haven't had any major issues with 
working there. I think a lot of people are scared about everything that they see in the news about doctors' pay and um, strikes and things like that. But um, it's nice to know. Yeah, that. I mean, with, yeah, yeah the, the pay is always one thing that, you know, you could always argue that, you know, if you look at other countries, we could get paid a little bit more. But if you're getting into the job just for the money, I think it's a bad idea. Um, because like I was saying, compared to other people at, you know, the similar age, you probably won't be making it as much in your training years. I mean, once you're a consultant, there's always ways to make money at that point. Um, but what I would say is that looking in, looking just, you know, with this coronavirus whole pandemic, if you're a doctor, you'll never be without a job. You know, there'll never be a time in history where they won't need doctors. And I think that's really nice to have that level of stability um, in your life. So I think that's something that no other job can really give you. Yeah, that's true. To do exams, how do you manage such a heavy workload? And obviously you have other interests as well. How do you manage to deal with all of that at once? Yeah, I mean, it's always tricky. It's always tricky. Um, I think the main thing is, is learning how to prioritize. And that's something that actually medicine itself will teach you very quickly in your first few weeks. Um, in how to prioritize the most important jobs and then using that actually within the rest of your life. Um, when you have something like an exam, you need to find those extra hours to be revising constantly. It's not like university or school where, you know, you can take that time off and do nothing but revise for that exam and you have nothing else going on. You'll have a proper job, you'll have patients to attend to and you'll have lots of other things to do. So I think it's definitely about learning how to manage your time effectively. And I think medicine in general teaches you how to do that quite quickly. But there's nothing special about it. I mean, everyone has 24 hours in the day, maybe one less Netflix episode and pick up the books a bit more, I guess. Yeah. Um, have you felt like you had to make any sacrifices to get where you are today? Um, I think... Time-wise, there's always sacrifices that you'll have to make um, and there's nothing that you'll achieve. You know, there's no, there's nothing that you'll achieve that's going to be great if there's no sacrifice that's there. Um, I think that's with, that's with anything. I mean, even if you look across to a completely different area like footballers, those who are the most successful are the ones who are constantly working hard um, and they have to obviously sacrifice something else. It's all about your, you know, where you're putting your time and where you think you're going to get satisfaction out of. And if it's out of your job and you want to be the best at your job, then you put the time in towards that. But I think there really does need to be a balance between your job, your family life, and your social life. Um, and I think that's key to not burning out. Um, and that's a really common problem, actually, amongst doctors, especially with surgeons. Yeah. Um, so kind of building off that what kind of person do you have to be going into a career in medicine and then surgery and do you have to be the type of person that prioritizes it 100% from day one or is that something that you can develop over time I think 100% you should be able to develop it because um, I don't think anyone ever enters it thinking well I know some people who do but <laughs> who just say it's okay I'm going to leave everything spend 24 hours in the library and that's it. Um, I think there's most people, actually, if you go on to get to university as well, you'll see, a lot of people will see that the people who are most active are actually the medical students. They're the ones who are finding the most of the time to get involved in societies and sports, 
in charity events. Um, and actually, a lot of the time, they're the ones kind of driving the university social scenes as well. So there's always time out there. Um, Skills-wise, I think as a person, the word that I would probably use is perseverance, um, especially in surgery. And that's not to just give up at the first hurdle, because there will be loads of hurdles. There will be exams you don't pass. I actually failed my first ever exam that I sat. Um, so I had to reset that exam. Um, uh, at medical uh, school? At medical school, yeah. That was my first oh, exam. Cool. The first exam I've ever failed, actually, was at medical school. <laughs> so that was a good learning experience for myself, yeah. Um, was that... um? Did you have, do you have like summative? So do you have an end of year exam that's kind of the only exam you have? That's what we have. Or did you have exams throughout the year? Yeah, so we had one formative exam in January and then we had three exams in the summer. Then I failed my formative exam and then I failed that same exam in the summer as well. Um, one out of three of them. Um, but then I passed it on the research, so that was fine. But yeah, no, um, I think perseverance is the main thing. So don't feel too disheartened on the first hurdle that you meet. There'll be lots more, but it's just about learning how to pick yourself up and keep going. And I think just the other day I was, uh, I was in a surgery, more just assisting um, one of the registrars and he couldn't do this one. He was trying to tie a knot basically uh, laparoscopically. Yeah. And it's quite, it's quite tricky if you can't do it. And you know, there's lots of different things going through your head. There's the anesthetist who's waiting for the patient just to wake up. So there's a time pressure that's there and there's everyone watching you and you have to just keep going. It's just you and that patient and you just need to get the job done. And I think that's something that it comes with failure. I think that's the main thing, knowing when to give up and when to keep going. Um, so, yeah. So are there a lot of times during surgery where you just, you look at the situation and you're like, we need to stop now. Is that the giving up that you're talking about? There's not a lot of times where that will happen. Um, but there are obviously times when you'll come to a point where you are at the end of your level of skill, which you, you'll know that, you know, me continuing to try to do this, it's not going to help. You know, there's a limited amount of time we can put patients to sleep for. Um, and is there anyone else to help? And I think that's another key skill to have is not being afraid to ask for help. And that's something that comes with, again, with time, that knowing, again, when you're at, out of your depth, when to keep going and when to say, okay, you know, it's not safe. There's a lot of imposter syndrome. And do you feel like that, in surgery do you and how do you cope with that so I think I'm more of a the way that I kind of think about my role at the moment is very much um, that I'm learning so I don't feel that you know I'm gonna be the one who's gonna do everything in the room or anything like that um, and I think when you're when you think that way at this stage anyway you don't really feel these things of imposter syndrome because you you accept that the level where you're at is you're very much there to learn. Um, but there's always times where you'll be doubting yourself. And I think that that at times can be a good thing because you don't want to get to a point where you're overconfident. Um, but at the same time, if it's hindering your abilities, then it's not a good thing. So I think it's all about a balance that you think that okay i'm out of my depth what are you going to do and i think that's the key thing 
if you're just going to sit there and, you know, cry to yourself and be sad about it, then it's no good. But if you're going to go and learn and the next day you're going to be better, then I think some level of being careful is good. Yeah, I think that's something that people at like all stages of their career can kind of get something from. I think surgery has a reputation of having people that, um, I think the phrase used a lot is difficult personalities. Have you had any experience with that? And if this is true, is it surgery that makes them like that? Or is that the, just the type of person that applies to a career in surgery and pursues it? That's a really interesting question, actually, because you'll see a lot of surgeons and they're, they're very different to how they appear in their lives. So on the wards, a registrar or consultant is very different to how they are in theatre. And I think those type of characters are probably the best to have, actually, because the two different scenarios requires different personalities. Someone in theatre needs to be very decisive, needs to be very vocal, especially if you're leading as the surgeon leading. Um, and you can't really be that person mumbling in the corner or anything like that. You need to speak very clearly, give clear instructions, be comfortable leading at the front. There's no kind of option to be in the back seat there. Whereas outside of the theatre, where you have more time to make mistakes and you have less of that pressure from everyone, your personality should also mould to that, in my opinion. So on the wards, you should be allowed to not make mistakes, but there should be a lot more leniency in which there's less time pressures, if that makes sense. And some people are really good at that. Um, and some people just, uh, they haven't quite managed that. And both yeah. ways bad, both ways bad, don't get me wrong. The people who are quite sh like um, reserved in theatres as well, that can be problematic, um, especially if there's communication. So uh, you're talking about the pandemic. Um, so yeah, that's a massive part of what's going on in your life and your career right now. So how, like, how was that? How was working as an ENT surgeon in like in this in this really strange time? Yeah, so actually I wasn't working as an ENT surgeon within the coronavirus pandemic. So that was actually um, a good thing because I know that a lot of the surgeries and the training was actually put on hold because of it. So it's actually been quite a difficult time for trainee surgeons. Um, but I was actually in A&E, an &E, um, accident and emergency, dealing with everything kind of as and when it came in. So I still remember the first day um, that they announced like this whole coronavirus was all kicking off. And I was in the minors department and the room was completely packed as normal within any, you know, any minors. And then when that text message of the, you know, of the news article started going around that there's this deadly virus around within literally five minutes, you checked outside and there was like one person left waiting, some old person with no phone. And so they didn't know what was going on. And it was just, yeah, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, no, since then it's just been something that we'll probably never see again um, from patients who look completely well and you check their oxygen saturations and it's like 70%, which is really, really low, uh, to people being intubated nonstop in in any recess. Um, so no, it's been a really, really challenging time, bro. What about um, finding time for like your family and relationships and sort that that sort of thing? As a doctor, is it difficult to manage? Does it get in the way or 
is it just a normal part of life? Yeah, I think there needs to be some level of understanding on everyone's part because obviously, especially when you're starting off in medicine, you are quite busy with how your rota um, is organized. You'll have lots of odd hours, especially in A&E. I mean, you'll have night shifts, day shifts, middle of the day shifts, middle of the night shifts. It's all, it's literally everywhere. So um, yeah, no, there, there needs to be a bit of patience uh, on on the side of family and friends. But I think that, again, having that time with them is important because you do get lots of time off as well if, you, if you're organized with it. Um, and it's about giving that time to them and not just forgetting about them as well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, I think that's all. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our um, listeners? Um, I think that it's something that you guys should all really think about pursuing a career in medicine or surgery in particular. I think it's an amazing specialty that, you know, you won't really find anywhere else. Something that's hands-on and also very intellectual with regards to science. Um, there's always things that are improving. I mean, just literally last week or last month, they found a new organ. I mean, 21st century, but still, we still don't know enough about the human body. And I think that's amazing. So I think there's always room to kind of improve. Um, and lastly, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it'll definitely be worth it at the end. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Zaheb Siddiqui. You can find him on Instagram at the ENT Surgeon. That's all for today and see you guys next week.